and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to this week's episode. This week we are talking about generations and one of the things that we often see discussed when talking about clutter and minimalism and generations is this idea that millennials are minimalists and that they don't want your stuff when you downsize. And so we wanted to have a bit of a chat about that. You know, is that the case? Are all millennials minimalists? Now we're going to have a chat about a few different ideas around that um, today. And I guess we might even be talking about not just millennials, but the generation after the millennials as well. So mine and Tara's children, for example, are they going to be minimalists as well? What do you think, Tara? Oh, I think there's a good chance they will be. And so it used to be thought of that owning fewer things was just something that happened as you got older, that you spent your life accumulating and then the whole downsizing thing start, happened post-kids once you, you know, kids had moved out of home and started families of their own and you were starting to downsize your home. That up until that point, it was an upwards trend. You always just accumulated more and more and more, got bigger houses, bigger cars, bigger everything to accommodate everything you have and then the kids leave they take some stuff you've got a house full of stuff you don't need anymore and a house that sometimes for some people is too big to manage or is you know surplus to your needs so you start downsizing your possessions in order to downsize your home but there has been such a shift towards younger generation embracing a more minimalist lifestyle and I think now we just have the language to talk about it and a bit better understanding and I guess the whole with the social media culture we have new ways to see into the lives of different generations and across different you know countries around the globe and how people are living so I think I feel like it's kind of brought the conversation to the forefront yeah and another thing that has brought the conversation to the forefront is something that we see all the time is that people from the generations that were raising children in the 70s, 80s and 90s and accumulating possessions and especially in the 80s and 90s where stuff was uh, more of a status symbol than it is now and um, there was more money around and not not late 90s obviously but, you know, in the 80s and the early 90s there was more money around and people could afford things, um, there was mass production, things were cheap, um, there was lots of accumulation of belongings. And so people who raised their families during that time and that are now looking to downsize are finding that their children and their grandchildren don't want their stuff. And these people were the people that whose parents passed their things down to them and they took them and they used them and they had, you know, they had glory boxes Um for those of you that don't know what a glory box is, you have to Google it. You might be a millennial. They had those kinds of things where, you know, things were passed on to them. They they prepared. They had fewer items, all of higher quality, that they kept for a really long time. And that's what their parents did. Then they moved on to a more disposable kind of lifestyle. But now they're finding that their children and their grandchildren don't want the stuff that they have accumulated over time. And so this question has come up of, you know, why don't they want this stuff? You know, are, are they all minimalists? So Joshua Becker, who's a well-known minimalist that we've talked about on the show before, 
he shares his thoughts on why this might be the case and he's written an article which I'll put a link to in the show notes about millennials and their habits and why they might be tending towards a lifestyle with less less stuff than previous generations. And so there's a few points he makes through that mm. article that I'm going to... It's a really good article, yeah. Mm, that, I, that I want to discuss because it gives us a nice kind of jumping off point. So the first one he suggests is technology and mobility. For millennials, the world seems smaller, travels a much higher priority to them than it was probably in previous generations. And it's so Mm. much easier to be transient and live this mobile lifestyle with less stuff. You you know, I even think back to when I was late teens, early 20s, I had had a lot of stuff and the amount of times I got my parents to move me from house (laughs) to house and then back home and then back out and then whatever, you know, and that was just that was just me and there was so much stuff getting carted around and i was fortunate that my parents you know i lived close enough to my parents that they would put stuff in their shed for 6 months while i rented a place that was fully furnished and then when i moved out of that and went somewhere else that they'd come get all my stuff out of the shed and move it to the next place and went back and forth but people living further away from family groups further away from support and a lot of people have got houses full of their own stuff. They're not able to take things. So if you want that transient lifestyle or the flexibility to be transient or to move or to, you know, whatever, mm. having all that stuff is such a burden. It's such an anchor. So, you know, that's probably plays into the minds of lots of millennials about why they don't want as much stuff. And then there's the sharing economy, which is another point that Joshua makes. Um, there is... There is so much out there to share that you don't necessarily need to own and it's quite normal. I mean, back if you if you it's really interesting we're actually seeing some generations mirrored here, but for different reasons in different ways. But, you know, back maybe in my grandparents' generation, there was a lot more sharing done and there was a lot of sharing amongst neighbourhoods and communities and, and things like that. And then that kind of went away and everyone had their own thing because they had a really big house and they had enough room for all of it. And now it's coming back around again. So we've got, you know, um, car sharing and bike sharing and renting things and, and downloading things and, and things like that. So, you know, all of this sharing economy means that you actually don't need as much stuff if you're part of all of that kind of stuff. Well, it's like the when you think, you know, even 10, 15 years ago and the how big people's CD collections were, you know, how much yeah. music we physically stored in our houses. And now I think I've mm. kept two CDs <laughs> as like my little <laughs> The um, soundtrack for the, you know, soundtrack of my high school years and the soundtrack of my uh, uni years as like a memorabilia thing. But it's more about the cover and how destroyed it was and how destroyed the little booklet inside was (laughs) because I, you know, sang those lyrics so many times. I would, I would never, I don't even think I have the means to play them in my house anymore. But so I used to have a ginormous CD collection, so did my husband. And when we got together and had to store them somewhere, and then now we have, other than those two that I've kept, he didn't want to keep any, they've all gone. And we still have access to all the music that we mm-hmm. want with it taking no space. So the advance of some of this technology is amazing and the ability to rent it without having to physically store it physically is pretty it. phenomenal. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, I think there's even, I mean, there's things that have been around for a long time that pe- that went out of fashion like libraries, you know, for so long, way back when people couldn't afford it. You, if you wanted to read a book, you would go to a library and you'd borrow it. And then we went mm. through this kind of bubble of people having more space, being financially better off and, and having a library in your house, having all the books you've read on display in your house or um, being able to purchase them and own them became a status. It became something that felt really good. So people went, you know, through that mode. And now we're back where libraries are more popular than ever because no one wants the expense of purchasing a book, but also then to have to store it or rehome it or pass it on or whatever. So um, libraries are, are coming back with a vengeance. And I think this whole mm. sharing economy thing is really exciting, especially when you look at it from the environmental perspective as well. Yeah, well, that's another thing that, you know, our millennials are very environmentally conscious. And so they they think about these things. They think about the impact of purchasing stuff and, and what that has on the environment and, and how it's going to be discarded and what went into making it in the first place. They think about all this stuff and they have a lot of information available to them about what the manufacturing of goods does and about, you know, what impact having buying stuff and consumption has on the environment and uh, and they're they're saying no another thing that affects minimalists and their preferences towards having or owning less stuff is the way that they live physically live whereabouts they live the wall street journal reported that 88 percent of millennials live or want to live in a urban setting so you know a lot of them are trying to live inner cities, which then obviously rent costs a whole lot more. But also the inner metro areas, you know, for the what they can afford is their spaces are tiny. So even if they wanted to own a lot of stuff physically, they couldn't because quite often they're either sharing with other people or they're renting, you know, studio apartments or things like that. So they have to be they're forced almost by their environment to be somewhat minimalist because they just physically don't have the space to have it all. So I think um, that's different as well. There was, you know, for a long time there was, you know, a desire towards the urban sprawl and having your quarter acre block and moving further out. And now for that same generation, they're all kind of um, coming coming back in. And one of the things, and this is this is a I mean, there's lots of wonderful things about millennial generation, but one of the things that I particularly love about them is how much they value experience over stuff. And that's it is something that is very evident in, in that particular generation is how much value they see in experiences. Now, you could be cynical and say they a lot of them value it because it gets them lots of Instagram likes <laughs> <laughs> or it enables them to make money on Instagram. But the non-cynical person would say that it's really good for their mental health um, because studies have proven that, you know, obviously experiences make you more happy in the long term than possessions. So, you know, that's that's another value that they, they seem to have which is causing the, the, the smaller smaller volume of possessions that they have. And I feel like that trend probably will continue. I heard only last week from my nine-year-old, she we pulled up um, in my little car next to some big beautiful petrol guzzling um <laughs> car and my daughter looked over and she goes that car is really cool I bet it's expensive and I'm like yeah it probably is she says oh well 
I'd rather go to Italy than have a car like that. And that came out uh, of my nine-year-old and I was like that she's already equating um, and I, I guess it's because she's grown up doing lots of travel and my husband and I really value mm-hmm. travel and I think that comes across with our kids as well. But she's already equating that maybe though you can't have both, maybe it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. And she's not on Instagram. She's not on social media anywhere. I don't, you know, other than maybe hearing us talk, I don't know where else she would get that from. But she's already in that idea of, yeah. well, I could, if I had to choose between that fancy car or a trip to Italy, I will go to Italy. Um, and I think that's really cool because that was yeah. would have never been even close to being on my mind when I was nine years old. So, yeah, our generation, we, you know, we're talking like you and I. Well, you're not forty yet, are you, Tara? So you're not yet. Too much of a baby to be in my club, but I'm forty four. <laughs> so back when, yeah, we were in our late teens. We were oh, we were thinking about what type of car we were, we wanted and 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 you know our friends and I we borrowed money for for cars and I had lots of friends that would borrow money for a flash car and I think they're doing that a lot less these days which is is nice because I think they're going to have less debt unless they're borrowing the money to go to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. Speaking of debt, that's one of the things that Joshua Becker brings up in his article. He says that high rates of debt and unemployment contributes to why millennials are minimalist. He says that the millennial generation have graduated college with these really high student loan debts that they need to pay off and that uh, they're entering the workforce in the middle of the Great Recession. I kind of have my own views on that as well. I, I don't think debt, I mean, obviously it might play a factor for some for some millennials whether they can afford to buy stuff or not but I feel like there's enough stuff out there that's available that's cheap that even if you are on a on a budget or you're in a lot of debt I don't know that that would necessarily negate why you wouldn't take things for handouts from your parents or people really wanted the stuff they could get their hands on the stuff be it expensive yeah. or or cheap or hand-me-downs from other people. I feel like it's a lot more of the other things that come into play. But maybe, you know, and certainly possibly in America it's a different story. Well, that's but, what I was um, going to say, yeah. In America it's very different. You know, we we didn't have that that great recession that, that America did. You know, we escaped that and we did have a downturn but we definitely didn't have anything like the impact that they had and we also don't have quite as much student debt Uh, I know we do have student debt but it's culturally it's not as much of a thing in Australia like we just don't talk about it we're like oh yeah well my you know it's back there in the back of my mind and it's my hex and I'll pay it off as I work but um, we don't also tend to rack up a lot of extra debt on top of our course fees like Americans um, often do so we don't have as much debt leaving college and leaving university as Americans do. So I think that maybe, you know, we're looking at this from a bit more of an Australian perspective and going, oh, yeah, that's not an issue. But I think it's a bigger issue in in America than it is here. Mm. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Any of our American listeners, jump in our mm. Facebook community and let us know whether you think that debt or unemployment within the millennial generation, whether you think that's a contributing factor to why they, you know, have a preference for a minimalist lifestyle? 
Another characteristic of the millennials uh, could be, um, based on Joshua Becker's opinion, a corporate mistrust. So our millennials, as we mentioned before, they're very much more aware of the environment. Um, They're really big on social justice. And so that has actually made them generally more mistrusting of large corporations. Uh, According to one study, 75% of millennials said that it's important that a company gives back to society instead of just making a profit. Um, I don't, I don't know what the, well, it would be good to see what the answer to that question would have been in previous generations, but something in me says that it would be lower, I think. Yeah, I think when you think of all the docuseries and stuff that are out exposing the patterns and behaviours of corporations, and I guess that whole thing of how much smaller our world has got through online connectivity between people, people see a lot more behind the scenes of big corporations and then things that are not favourable, they spread like Mm. wildfire. You know, everyone seems to hear about it where previous generations wouldn't have had that connectivity to understand what was going on behind the scenes of a corporation, you know, on the other side of the world, whether it was fair trade Mm. or not, whether there was slave labour, what working conditions were like. But now that stuff gets exposed and gets distributed so freely and so widely we're all just, I guess, a lot better educated on where our stuff comes from and what's involved. I sort of almost feel like all our kids are activists, you know, mm-hmm. whereas when we were their age there were there was a small pocket of activists and the rest of us didn't really know much or care much. And I think now it's it's normal. It's just normal to, to be vegan and it's normal to go out and demonstrate and uh, about the environment and it's, it's normal to... Um, to be outraged at sexual discrimination and sexual harassment and gender discrimination and, you know, anti-LBGTQI, <laughs> um, all of that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's really normal. It's normal to, to have that that whole um, social justice awareness and, and interest, uh, and it was less so in our generation. Yeah, I think we see this a lot as well that quite often millennials will choose smaller more local retailers if they have an option for purchasing rather than always going to the big global giants which is probably different from previous generations because there used to be this kind of affinity or loyalty based on trust of big brands where I think now Mm. it's almost reversed there's more of a distrust of big brands and people would rather buy from someone that they know owns the business or you know lives locally puts money back into the community that kind of thing so yeah yeah and um I this is slightly different but you know just a small example is my daughter who's 17 is vegan and she does that from an animal welfare and environmental impact perspective but she will eat eggs if they come from a backyard chook so it's kind of a similar philosophy. You know, if I know the chicken and I know the person and I know that that chicken is happy and it's, you know, well-loved and it's healthy, then I will eat the eggs. So she will only eat eggs from backyard chickens um, and then everything else is plant-based. And it's very similar, I think, you know, to what you're saying is there's just there's just no trust that the right thing is being done out there. So, you know, you you go with something you can trust instead. So that brings us to the end of the ideas that Joshua Becker outlined in his article, but we've got a few thoughts of our own. Uh, I'm sure that comes as no surprise Mm -hmm. to people. One of the things that I had been thinking about was just general affordability, that one of the reasons 
millennials don't want hand-me-downs and don't want all the stuff that you're getting rid of as you're downsizing is because they can quite often go and buy it themselves for a really cheap amount if they want to. And of course, you know, this goes against some of that whole corporate mistrust that we were talking about. But if, you know, I remember as a teenager and for 12 months before I moved out of home, I had a glory box, which is basically a bunch of boxes that were in my dad's shed. And if I was at my nana's or my grandma's or someone's and um, they'd say, oh, look, do you need any coffee mugs for when you move out? I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. And I'd go and pop them in my glory box or someone would give me, you know, a, they had a third set of cutlery that never got used. And so, you know, and I kind of like bower birded my way around and picked up all these bits and pieces from other people's houses that they didn't want anymore. And I took that and I used that to start off my own place because I didn't have the money to spend. But Um, it's amazing how in such a short period of time, 20 years later now, I could probably go and buy an entire kitchen full of stuff for less than $100 if I was, Mm. you know, going to choose my retailers wisely or not wisely as the case might be. But, (laughs) um, you know, and that's the thing. Part of the reason is that I could, you know, Things and are then you much get to more have what affordable. You want. Yeah, yeah, and you do. So that's then the new thing. stuff is what. You, then you get what you want instead of you know what you, you know what someone else likes, which sort of is reflective as well of kind of the the Instagram effect and appearances can be very important. And a lot of people think, well, I'd rather go and spend you know a hundred dollars at Kmart or IKEA or, you know, somewhere that does that and the mass produce pretty trendy stuff so that I can get it looking really nice um, rather than bringing, you know, grandma's grandma's old um, dinner set. Yeah, and it's kind of, and this is the thing, I think, you know, there's two issues here. There's, you know, whether they're all minimalists but there's also whether they're prepared to take your old things or not because some of them mm. aren't necessarily minimalists they just rather spend yeah. money or use credit stuff. Uh, to mm. get everything new so that it looks better. Where, you know, at, in my generation, when I was setting up house, it was all about I don't have the money to spend on anything. So, yes, I'll have eight plates, but they'll all be mismatching because they're all the random ones that people took out of their sets or, you know, but and that was fine, but mm. it wasn't. We didn't, I didn't photograph my dinner on my plates either. I didn't have, I didn't provide an image of what my lifestyle looked like and publicize mm. it to the world. So it was less, less important, I think. Yeah. I think um, at risk of, you know, having my children say, okay, boomer to me <laughs> a dozen times, um, I think that we, we honestly, we honestly didn't care as much about what our environment looked like as what we do now and I'm saying we as in all generations now are a little bit taken with the Instagram effect and this is not just about millennials this is about a cultural change around perfection and displaying perfection and um, it sort of is why we have fast fashion and why we have fast decor and it's all generations are doing it it's that whole you know it, it has to look really good and I honestly think that we didn't have that back in the 90s. No, well, I think it's we part and a lot of it has to do with how we publicize our lives now. That back then there was no Pinterest, there mm. was no Instagram. You didn't you know, the only photos taken of you inside your house is if it was, you know, you had friends over or it was your prom and you stood all lined up. You know, like you didn't 
No, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's a million photos yeah, from my people childhood. People didn't know what but, our houses looked like. But none yeah. of the of what we ate. I don't unless it was a birthday cake. <laughs> there's no pictures of food. You know, like yeah, and no shelfies. <laughs> that's it. So, and I I don't know that our parents desired it less. They still would have seen images occasionally in like. Uh, Vogue Living or, you know, home magazines of beautiful (laughs) places. But it probably seemed a lot further from their reach potentially. Mm. There wasn't the pressure there to to have it looking good. There was the desire maybe but but not the pressure. Yeah, and, I mean, they the thing is even our parents grew up with the whole make, do and mend attitude, holding, you know, holding on to things. Uh, making them last and there's a little bit of that like you said that is kind of cyclical that has come back and now people are trying to get back to a capsule wardrobe buy less items but better value have Mm. them last you longer so there's there's elements of it that have come full circle um within a generation but then there's the people stuck in the middle that it was about acquisition that now Mm. are wondering you know where does all this stuff go because millennials don't want it and, you know, you kind of get faced with the reality of how much you've spent, how much you've stored, how much you've carted around with you for your lifetime when you're trying to get rid of it and no one wants it. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I think of a lot as well with millennials particularly is they're delaying the entire settling down process, which has changed pretty significantly, I think, in the last couple of generations there's no mm. urgency with them for buying homes and part of that comes back to their desire to travel or be more transient. Um, but it goes further than that. They Quite often they won't commit to steady long-term jobs. There's a lot less loyalty um, in the employer-employee relationship. It's more about what can the employee get out of it and if they're not happy or they've stayed mm. for their prerequisite three months, then they'll move. There's no urgency about getting married and settling down, having kids. Quite often the, this millennial generation, they want to get out there, live a bit first, experience, travel, see things, try things, and the settling down will happen later. So a lot of people are opting for that as something that might happen in their 30s rather than something that, you know, in previous generations would mm. have happened in your 20s. So I think part of that settling down avoidance means not buying all the stuff or not taking on all the stuff that settling down brings with it yep for sure so you know we we apologize if we've generalized here because we we have to generalize in order to have this discussion so we we do understand that obviously not all millennials are minimalists and also not all millennials don't want your stuff and not all millennials don't want to settle down and all that kind of stuff. This discussion is more just to bring maybe an awareness for the older generation of just why they don't want your stuff and and why you need to plan for that and prepare for that as well because, you know, it's not a bad thing that they don't necessarily want your stuff. It just might be unhelpful for you. And so it needs to be something that you might need to be prepared for and plan for as well and have that discussion with your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and about, you know, what is it that that they value and and how can you maybe work together on that so that you don't get disappointed and they don't get overloaded, (laughs) basically. 
So if you've got something you'd like to add to this conversation, we'd love you to come over and join us in our Facebook community. Um, Give us your thoughts and your opinions on millennials and their trend towards minimalism. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so that they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.